All right. Notice verse 18 of Galatians 5 says, But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now, what does it mean to be led of the Spirit? That's what I want to preach about tonight. What does it mean to be led of the Spirit? You hear that phrase a lot. You know, you need to follow the Holy Spirit, right? We all heard that before, right? We need to follow the Holy Spirit. You've got to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But often, you know, we know all the biblical terms that we're supposed to use. But at the same time, when we're talking about spiritual things, it's often difficult to put into words what that actually looks like and how that actually, you know, works. And we often struggle with that. And it's because we often do get in the flesh. It says in verse 16, this I say, then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one to the other. So you cannot do the things that you would. So we've got our flesh that's working against us here. It's always going to be a challenge. And no matter how long you've been saved, you're going to have your flesh that challenges you and often gets in the way. And we need to be a spiritual people. But, you know, some people really struggle with this. And we all struggle with it at some point. But I want to cover this subject. And I think this is a very challenging subject to teach about what it means to be led of the Spirit. And, but one of my jobs as a pastor, you know, it, I'm, I am supposed to teach, I'm supposed to intru- instruct with the Word of God, but while I'm doing this, while I'm up here stating facts that are true, I am also supposed to be trying to help you all grow as Christians, right? I mean, you know, what's the point of just learning all this great preaching if it's not doing anything in our lives? I mean, who really cares if I've got my doctrine down, you know, I've preached the best doctrine, I preach the clearest, but it's not actually changing anything. It's really pointless, isn't it? I mean, maybe I'm getting you a bunch of head knowledge, but then that's just vanity. That's just going to puff us up. Okay? We need to actually be practicing some of these things. We need to be learning. It, ought to be, it needs to be changing something in us. And so if you are growing as a Christian, one of the things that we should see is that I'm not going to have to tell you everything you're supposed to do in every situation. And I, I'm going to just say to you, know, a lot of the, you know, because I put the preaching out online, you know, I get a lot of emails, phone calls, and a lot of other people I help. And a lot of what I'm preaching here, while there's a ton of good stuff that, you know, I know everybody in here could use, I, I the people that really need the, some of this stuff are people who just listen to me online. <laughs> they really need this really bad. And, and, the, and part of their problem is they don't go to church, a lot of them, a lot of them. And if you're not going to church, you are going to have some major spiritual deficiencies in your life. Just mark it down. You will have major deficiencies. That's all there is to it. End of story. But, you know, you get frustrated when you just kind of, I feel like I deal with a lot of the same stupid stuff. Right? And, and I got an email this week that just really took the cake on all this, too, that illustrates this greatly. I'll share that with you at the end of this message, an email I got. But... You know, it's one thing if a new believer, you know, struggles and needs to be told what to do a lot. But if you've been saved for years, and if I still have to write out a list of do's and don'ts for you, something's wrong. You're not growing. You ought to be able to figure out right and wrong. After you've been going to this church for a few years, you shouldn't be, you know, on Facebook groups, you know, asking, you know, is this a sin? You can't figure out yet what a sin is and what isn't a sin. I get it if you're newly saved. That's why I try to be nice to people in some of these groups. I don't know their history. I don't know how long they've been saved. But boy, when these people have been supposedly saved for a long time, you know, just it, it, it bothers me a little bit. You know, I shouldn't have to choose your family's wardrobe 
or give you a list of movies that you can watch and can't watch or a list of music that you can listen to. You, know, you ought to be able to figure these things out for yourself. And there was a guy who called me here one time, a long time ago. He called, he called the church, and he was just like, uh, Pastor Tommy, what do you think of David Bowie? And I'm like, I have no idea. I do not know who David Bowie is. I, and to this day, I don't know who David Bowie is. I, I still haven't looked the guy up. I really don't care. But I, I was like, well, who is he? And he's some singer. And he's like, you know, do you think it's a sin to listen to his music? And I'm like, I, I don't know the guy. I mean, probably. <laughs> but, you know, but I said, you know, chance are bad. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, he's like, well, well what? And he starts naming off all these singers. I didn't know half of them. And the ones I did know, I'm like, yeah, those are definitely sins. And then he goes to like movies. Oh, you know, do you think it's okay to watch this kind of movie? And, you know, what do you think of superhero movies? And then and what, and he's like, what do you think of Comic-Con? Do you, know, do you think it's a sin to go to Comic-Con and, you know, dress up like superheroes? And I said, well, I said, I think if you're in your 20s and your 30s and you're still dressing up like superheroes and going to things like that, I think you got something wrong. All right. And I was like, you know, but and he just for like 30 minutes, I'm talking to this guy and he just keeps asking, is this a sin? Is this a sin? And finally, I just stopped and I said, wait, where are we going with this conversation? I said, because I'm not going to just stand here and give you a list of everything in the world that's a sin and that isn't a sin. And he's like, oh, well, but what about this? And then he just goes into my eyes like, listen, I got to stop this conversation. And I'm not kidding. This guy, he's Pastor Anderson when he's done his um, thing where he does questions online. This guy called him up. Asking about David Bowie and these things. I was at the Red Hot Preaching Conference doing where people called in before the service started. That guy called up asking about David Bowie again. He's always calling all these pastors, need to find out what all is a sin and what all isn't a sin. Folks, that's messed up. Okay? I shouldn't have to tell all of you. You know, do you think it's a sin to wear this? Do you think it's a sin to wear that? Listen, there's going to be times when I'm going to get up and I, and I preach on these things and I'm going to name things. I'm going to illustrate things. But if I have to go through every little detail with you, oh, you know, is this name brand okay? Because I think it's made by a queer. I mean, I, I don't know anything about the name brands and stuff. You know, and you ought to be able to figure that out for yourself. Okay? I think personally it would not be a sin to wear an item of clothing that was decent and modest, that was designed by a queer, as long as you didn't know it. All right? <laughs> if you know it, then you know, I wouldn't wear it just because I knew they were queer. So just don't ask, all right? Don't ask, don't tell. But anyway, that's a subject for another day. But there, there is a major problem in this movement with people being just, you know, they're, they're able to be immediate experts when it comes to anything a robot could figure out. Okay. For example, like, you know how frustrated I get about the people that are experts on figuring out the, the pastoral qualification of two kids? Because any robot can count to two. But, you know, you can't teach a robot spiritual things. Do you know that? Do you know you could program a robot and he could quote the entire Bible? He can answer all these qu trivia questions, but you can't teach a robot spiritual things. And there's a lot of people sitting in churches, listening to preaching online, running their mouths on Facebook... <clears throat> that they know a lot of biblical facts. But spiritually, they don't have a clue about anything. When it comes to being led of the Spirit, they haven't got a blessed clue. And that's all there is to it. And in many cases, that's just because a lot of times they're not saved. But often, they could be saved, but they're in the flesh. They are not growing. They are not growing 
at all. You ought to be able to figure out some things on their own. So, for you know, for example, too, you know, when somebody gets reprobated from the pulpit in an IFB church, you know, everybody then knows, you know, we shouldn't have anything to do with that person and that they are bad, right? Oh, you know, this person got reprobated because, you know, he believes oneness. So this person got reprobated because whatever. And so then what often happens, a pastor reprobates somebody, and that's my own word. I don't know if that's a real word. But all of a sudden then you have all these other followers that then go reprobating like everybody that even resembles that. It's like, wait a minute. There's a difference between a guy who was Baptist taught the truth and got carried off into some wicked doctrine than, say, a person who was born in that religion. You understand that? Listen, if somebody was born in a Calvinist church, raised in a Calvinist church, taught all those things all their life, I believe it's possible for someone to get saved in one of those places and have a lot of Calvinism hanging over their head. Okay, But they're not a reprobate. They're They're not a reprobate, and they may very well be saved. Now, if you came from a church like this, and then you go to that, you know, then I think that it's a lot more likely. But the thing is, you'll have a preacher get up and call someone a reprobate because they're a Calvinist, and now all Calvinists are reprobates. Now, see, right there is a classic example of just a robot. Ooh, Calvinist, reprobate. Oneness, reprobate. And then anybody who resembles that. Now all Pentecostals are reprobate. And just, you know, everybody's a reprobate. And, and, you, and you see that a lot with these younger believers that go around throwing that at everybody. It's because it's like, why are they always getting it wrong? I don't know why you guys are mad at me for calling this person a reprobate. You called so-and-so a reprobate. Well, listen, some of us actually have some spiritual discernment. Some of us actually have some spiritual understanding of things, and you obviously don't. And, and, and that's why you see a lot of people... Uh, you know, misusing that, and there's there's something that they're greatly missing. They are not being led of the Spirit. So now let's go through Galatians 5 to help us understand what it means to be led of the Spirit. Because when Paul says it right here, you know, Paul's not like a lot of preachers, like, you, know, you just need to follow the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? You know, does that mean, you know, I just pray and kind of do like Luke Skywalker, and I, I know where the thing's going to shoot the laser out, and I use the force, you know. I, I, you know is that what it is? You know, we're just supposed to feel it. Right, you, know, you, you feel it going through your body, you know, some Obi-Wan Kenobi type theology or something. What does it mean to be led of the Spirit? Because the Bible likes to be clear about things so we can understand, so we can actually learn something. It's not some weird hocus-pocus thing. It's not some weird feeling thing. It is a real thing to be led of the Spirit, and we need to know how to do this. So let's start reading in verse 1, and it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. Now, why did Paul bring up the specific thing here of being circumcised? And we don't have time to go into all the context that, you know, to prove this. But remember in the book of Acts, when there were certain Jews that were saved that came along and said, except you be circumcised, you cannot be saved. That was a teaching, a false teaching that tried coming into the church that the Apostle Paul and the, the apostles tried to nip. And the Apostle Paul is bringing that up. He's using that as an illustration saying, listen, if you're getting circumcised as a way of obtaining salvation, then Christ profits you nothing. 
Why? Because if you add any works to salvation, then you don't have salvation, do you? Okay. I could say the same thing here. If I would now, if when he's talking to the Galatians, since they had people coming in saying you have to be circumcised to be saved, he brought that up. But let's say I had we had somebody coming here saying you had to be baptized to be saved. Then you know what? I could just as easily say if you if if you're trusting or if uh, how did he say it there? Uh, yeah, for every man. Yeah, if you be circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. I could say if you be baptized, Christ will profit you nothing. In other words, if you're trusting in your baptism to get you to heaven, if that's what you did to get saved, Christ didn't do anything. You're falling from grace. You missed it. You're, you're not saved. I could just as easily say that. And so Paul brought that up for a reason. And, remember, and keep that in mind because we're going to go to Acts in a little bit and look at some things. For he said, for we through the Spirit... Wait for the hope of of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. So what these people were following here, it was not of the Spirit. He said, listen, we, in the Spirit, through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit here with the capital S, he's like, we're waiting for the, we have the hope of righteousness. Do any of us think that we are righteous right now physically? Absolutely not. But we have the hope of righteousness, don't we? And we, because of that, we have imputed righteousness. So the righteousness that we have, it is, it's a spiritual thing, isn't it? But physically, we're not there. We get that because we have these things by faith. So what these people are getting into, they're getting into something more physical, there's got to be something. There's got to be some law. We want the circumcision. Paul's saying, if that's you, you're not saved. And what you're getting here, it doesn't come from the Spirit. It comes from someone else. And that's why he said, you didn't run well. Who did hinder you? You know, who got this in your head? Because you didn't get this from the Holy Spirit. It's like, you didn't get this from my preaching. You're listening to somebody you shouldn't be listening to. And he says in verse 9, a little leaven leaven at the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. So notice the word he uses here. He said this person that's telling you that you have to be circumcised to be saved is troubling you. They are, they are troubling. And he's like, he's going to be judged. They are going to be judged for what whoever they are, they will be judged. Mark it down. If God spare not the angels that sin, you better believe He's not going to spare these false prophets. We see that preached in First Peter, Second uh, Peter, and Jude. We see that there, and Paul's preaching the same thing here. And when you are teaching somebody they got to add works to salvation, you're troubling them. Like Achan, the troubler of Israel, who took that accursed thing. We mentioned him this morning. He took that accursed thing, and Israel suffered as a result of what Achan did, and he is known as the troubler of Israel. You bring in doctrine like that, you're a troubler of the church. You're the troubler of men's souls. People are going to suffer, and they're going to go to hell for what you taught. That's, that's the, and that's the truth. So verse 11 says, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty, for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So notice here, there is a balance that we must maintain in our Christian life. Okay, We should never, ever, ever add works to salvation, 
But as a believer, we shouldn't take advantage of the grace of God, should we? So while we don't ever in any way, shape, or form want to add works to salvation, we don't even want to teach this junk that if you didn't change, you didn't really get saved. That makes, that makes our justification based on our works. That makes the evidence of our salvation our works instead of the blood of Christ. We don't even want to treat, you know, teach that trash. But do we want to be like the trendies and basically encourage people to take advantage of the grace of God? You know, just uh, just go ahead and live like the world. Is that what we want to do as a church? No, we don't want to encourage that either. Okay? And we don't. And that's why we preach hard against sin. Because as Christians, we're not going to be effective if we're in sin. We're not going to be effective if we're in the flesh. And we're not going to please God if we're in the flesh. So Paul's, <clears throat> Paul's warning him here. He's like, don't, don't use that liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Okay? I mean, thank God for liberty. Because sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we get in the flesh. And I'm glad we don't lose our salvation every time that happens. But we don't want to just promote, you know, lasciviousness like it's going on in a lot of churches today. So we got to maintain that balance. So here's the question, all right? Here's where we separate the spiritual from the unspiritual, right? So we all get it, right? No works for salvation, right? We believe that you don't have to quit your sinning first and then get saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. All right. But, you know, we're all saved people here, right? Assuming we're all saved people here. So now what am I required to do? Okay. Now that I'm saved. All right. All right. Yeah, I'm not supposed to use my liberty for an occasion of the flesh. So I need my list of rules. What can I do? What can I do? And what a lot of people want, they just want a pastor to tell them every little thing to do. And I'm sorry, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to just get up and tell you every little thing. Now, a lot of stuff's going to get covered when preaching, right? But at the same time, you know, wouldn't that be kind of weird if I had to go over to everybody's house and just inspect everything? And it's like, you know, I don't, th you know, I don't think you're really pleasing God here. It, is, is that really my job as a pastor? Well, I hope not. I, I, I hope not because I, I know pastors that would gladly do that. Okay? But I'm not one of those. I don't want to do that. You know, so what laws should I follow though to be a good Christian? Because hopefully we all want to be a good Christian. So what makes a good Christian? Tell me what I got to do. To be a good Christian, you know, what's a bad Christian? Well, since everybody wants a list, let's look at an example of a list in Acts chapter 15. Let's go to Acts chapter 15. Now, this here is in relation to this story, uh, to what we're seeing here in Galatians. After these people came in teaching that you must be circumcised to be saved. They're teaching you got to follow this rule in order to be saved. The apostles come along and say, wrong. You don't have to follow that rule to be saved. So now they're getting these Gentiles saved who are Gentiles, who have a wicked culture that do a lot of really bad stuff that saved people shouldn't do. So look, let's see, let's notice a list that they are given. Acts 15, verse 19. Wherefore my sentence is, look at this, that we trouble not them. That's the same word we saw in Galatians. It's troubling them to add works of salvation. That we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them 
that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. Hey, we got a list. Hey, what did they ask them to do in the, in, in the, in the book of Acts? What do the apostles tell people we got saved? You just have to do, you know, really three things. You know, just one, no fornication, no idolatry, and, you know, just don't be eating things that are strangled or with the blood. And you know what? We don't need to be preaching more than they preached. I mean, that's all they told them guys. That's a pretty easy list, isn't it? Now, if you take, get from this, this is all we got to worry about doing. You are carnal. You are not led to the Spirit. Does anybody think this is all God expects from us as Christians now? I mean, he didn't mention soul winning in here. What's that all about? You know? Now, why did he mention these things? Well, look what it says in verse 21. After he, they give this list, he says, For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. All right? So, uh, the reason he brought this up is because of the fact that in every city you had Jews that were there. They're going to these cities. They're trying to reach these Jews. If there would have been Christian, people who were claiming to be Christians, who were committing fornication, bowing down before idols, you know, and eating things with the blood, that would have been extremely offensive to the Jewish people that they are trying to introduce Jesus Christ to. Because they're going to these Jewish people trying to tell them, hey, Jesus Christ came and he fulfilled the law. Jesus Christ is the new high priest. Jesus, you know, and he's, Jesus Christ is the Messiah that you've been looking for. Well, the last thing they want is for these Gentiles to get there before them and say, hey, we're followers of Jesus of Nazareth. We're followers of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And then there they are committing fornication, bowing down before. That would have been a terrible thing. So this is instruction that they're giving to these people to help them. Does anybody think this is all the things that we're supposed to do as Christians? No. But it's a nice, easy list, so people get caught up in that. But there was a very good reason, too. He gave these specific things because in their specific culture, that was stuff that was prevalent. Okay? Fornication was no big deal in the, in the Gentile culture. You know, eating things with the blood, idolatry, those were not rare things. So Paul specified these things for a reason. Nobody thinks this is all we got to do to be a good Christian. So in verse 14 of Galatians 5, it says, look at this, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Hey, there's a real easy list for you right there. All the law is fulfilled in one word, in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. In verse 37. Keep your finger in Galatians chapter 5. We're not done over there. See, now, I should be able to just get up here and tell y'all, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. But if I have to tell you more than that, if I have to get specific, you know why I'm getting specific? It's because you're evil. Y'all understand that? You're evil people. If I have to specify to you that since you're supposed to love your neighbor, that means you can't steal from them. Well, I love them. I just stole their, you know, I stole the hubcaps off their car because they were nicer than mine. Listen, if I got to tell you that's a problem, you're pretty wicked. And now there's people out there that are that dumb, you know, that might, you know, not realize. Well, I, I didn't. I love these people. I didn't know when I was gossiping about them that I that wasn't loving. Really, I mean, just you know, how just backwards and how primitive are you that you don't understand this? And once again, 
You might have some cultures. They don't know any better. But boy, when you've been saved for a while and we still got to tell you every little thing, we got to get super detailed. You are not a spiritual person. And he says, the law is all fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 37, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Okay, what does that mean? You know, that means, here's a way to illustrate this. If I'm going to go and buy a, a car from you, I buy a car from a car dealer, I should be able to go and tell him, I promise to make these payments, you know, according to these terms, and shake his hand. Are you going to do this? Yep, I'll do it. But are we allowed to just do business that way today? Nope. You got How many papers do you have to sign, Brother Brian? You have 500? When you're going to go buy a car? Why? Because people are evil. People are, well, you know, I, I know I agreed to do this, but, and then they come up with all these excuses. All right? They come up with all these, they come up with all these excuses where we ought to just be able to, you know, if, if I come to you, and I do business with you and I sell you a car or something and you promise to pay me back $5,000 over, you know, a two-year period or something like that, you know, I shouldn't have to get detailed with how I want that. You know, I, if I have to get super detailed with you and we've got to agree to every little thing, you got to pay this amount on this date. If you don't pay this date, you get this. You know how it is. Okay, you all know the fine print on all those things. If I have to get that detailed with you, it's because... I don't trust you. It's because you're dishonest. We ought to just be able to keep things simple, is what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 5.37. Just let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. I shouldn't have to stand there, put my hand on a Bible, raise my hand, and solemnly swear. I ought to just tell the truth. I shouldn't have to be under oath and under threat of perjury. You ought to just be able to tell me, because I love my neighbor, I ought to know better than to lie to him. And better than to steal from him and do all the things that we could potentially do. But some people, they need more than that, and it's because they're evil. So when you have to get real specific with your words, you're dealing with evil people. So verse 15 says, But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye are not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the way you get your act together, the way you know everything to do, is walk in the Spirit. Okay? And, and again, you have these people come along. And I'm going to show you, too. I'm not making stuff up how people are. Okay, I'm going to read you an email I'm not, you know, that just frustrated me like you wouldn't believe. I didn't even answer this email. All right? But it was, it was that frustrating. I was like, you know what? I'm, I haven't got time to deal with somebody that dumb. Okay? But uh, people are this foolish. Okay? You ought to be able to walk in the spirit and the way you get to act you walk in the spirit and it says in verse 17 for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would but if ye led of the spirit you're not under the law okay so now for those of you that are carnal here's a list all right notice paul gives a list here but let me ask you this list that we're about to read is this an exhaustive list does anybody think this is everything? Because okay, look what it says in verse 19. So now the works of the flesh. So we're not supposed to be in the flesh. We're supposed to be in the spirit. Well, I don't, I don't know how to walk in the spirit. You know, how do I know if I'm walking in the flesh? All right, Mr. Carnal, let me help you out and let me give you a list of things. All right. The works of the flesh are manifest. This is what reveals if you're walking in the flesh are these adultery. Okay. If you're committing adultery, you're not in the spirit, folks. 
You're in the flesh. Uh, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Okay? And I've had people do this too. They get mad, they get thrown out of church. And they can't find, you know, their specific sin is not on the list of things to get you thrown out of the church. And that, they, they can't throw me out of the church. My, my sin's not on the list. Do you think that's an exhaustive list too? You know, how about the fact, you know, I mean, it's like, do you not have, there's something wrong when a church full of God's people, loving people that are accepting of everybody, when they want to throw you out, there's something wrong with you. Okay. That's pretty rare to get, you know, you got to be a special kind of bad for a church to want to throw you out. But a lot of times these list minded people, they know not to do, you know, A, B and C. That's on the list in those verses. But these are not exhaustive lists. Okay? These are examples. These are, these, you know, this is, let me, let me just help you out and illustrate you. Because, you know, y'all can't figure out what sin is. Have you ever done that when you're out soul winning? And you're like, you know, we're all sinners. You know, you know what sin is? And sometimes people are like, no. They don't know what sin is. And you have to explain. You have to give examples. Okay? And that's how simple some people are. But if you're in church, you know, we ought to know better. So notice how he says, and such like. Okay, there, the Bible is, it would be a huge book if it listed every little thing. Okay? If you come to this church and like every time you're sitting in service, you're shooting spit wads at the back of somebody else's head. I don't know if that's on the list of things to get you kicked out of the church, but if you don't quit doing that, we'll kick you out of the church. Okay? <laughs> they threw me out of the church for shooting spit wads. That's adding to the scriptures. I don't think it is added to the scriptures. And I think if you shoot spit wads at people during church, okay, it's one thing if it's a little kid, parents ought to spank them afterwards, but folks, if you're, if you're a grown person, you're doing something like that, we're probably going to throw you out of the church. Okay? If every time we go into the bathroom after church, we see wet toilet paper stuck to the ceiling, and we find out it was you and it was an adult, and you won't quit doing it, you won't repent, we're probably going to throw you, man, they threw me out of church just for throwing wet toilet paper in the ceiling. Yeah, we, we do that. And you can accuse us of adding to the scriptures, but you know I don't think we're out of line doing something like that. You know, but you realize just how simple-minded some people are. It's just these, these people are revealing their carnality. Is all they're doing. And when they get up and want to talk about how long they're saved, that just makes me think they're not saved. It's one thing if it's a new believer, but so he goes to that list, and then he says, um, "But the fruit of the spirit." Is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So here's a way. Here's some things that manifest through the Spirit. Or if you're walking in the Spirit. And I love this too because people often talk about the fruit of the Spirit as evidence of salvation. But is this teaching evidence of salvation or evidence of walking in the Spirit? Boy, don't you just hate when context ruins a perfectly good heresy? But is that not what we're seeing in this chapter? The fruit of the Spirit is not fruit of the Holy Spirit indwelling you as much as it is the evidence that you are walking in the Spirit. And it is very possible for you to walk in the flesh. How do I know? Here's some examples. 
I don't know if I'm walking in the Spirit. Here's some examples. If you've got the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, means temperance. Against such, there is no law. You won't be breaking any laws by loving others. You're not going to be breaking any laws by following all these things that are the fruit of the Spirit. So, fruit of the Spirit is not evidence of salvation, but evidence that you are walking in the Spirit. Bust them over the head every time they bring that up. Alright? Beat them over the head with the context. That kills so many great heresies. But verse 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, in the Spirit, with a capital S, with the Holy Spirit, if we live in the Spirit, if you're saved, let us walk in the Spirit. Y'all see that? That's, that's what he's teaching. This is what we're supposed to do. This is what we have been called to do. So if you have the Holy Spirit or salvation, then you know what God's will is for you? Walk in the Spirit. That's what God wants from you. It says in verse 26, Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So now having said all this, it's important how we can recognize those who actually have the Spirit versus those who are following a list or the things of the flesh. Okay, Because understand, some people are so carnal. They can look at the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and all those things, and try doing those things in the flesh. But you all right, we cannot please God in the flesh. We can't do it. We can try to do spiritual things in the flesh, but we're going to fall flat on our face. We're going to fail miserably every time. Anything we do in the flesh, we're going to fail. So, how, you know, how can we tell when we're talking to people? Okay, and, because, and, a, and a wonderful illustration I also had just last Saturday when we were out soul winning was uh, when I was... I was with uh, Jacob. We were witnessing to a Catholic lady. And uh, first, go ahead and turn over to John 16, verse 13. Before I tell you about this Catholic lady I witnessed to, let me read this verse to you. John chapter 16 and verse 13. Notice what it says here. Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear... That shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So you all understand the best teacher in the world is the Holy Spirit. And yes, God uses people. But did you know God can use a terrible speaker and a terrible teacher to teach deep truths if the Holy Spirit is involved? Where you can have a wonderful teacher, a brilliant teacher, one who's an expert at the English language, one who is just perfectly eloquent, never stutters, and they can fall flat on their face and fail to teach people if they don't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the best teacher. And it one of the most frustrating things teaching is when people just aren't learning. But one of the most rewarding things when you're teaching is when people are learning. Isn't that a great if you've ever taught anything, isn't it a great feeling when you're like, man, they're getting it? Right, you know, you're teaching your kids. Like, they had a breakthrough. You know, they finally figured it out. It's always a great feeling when that happens. And folks, the Holy Spirit is it's so important that He helps us when we're trying to teach people or when we are trying to learn. We need to learn how to get connected with the Holy Spirit so we can actually learn things. And folks, when it, it, it is one of the most encouraging things to me is when I'm witnessing to people and I see the Holy Spirit reveal 
a deep truth to them. Because then that tells me, man, all right, now we're getting somewhere. That is the most encouraging thing. And we were witnessing, she was an 89-year-old Catholic lady. She answered the door, and at first she was like, you know, we said we're from Liberty Baptist Church. She's like, oh, I'm Catholic. And they're like, hey, well, you know, we're trying to tell people how to get to heaven. And, you know, go through. and she, she's kind of letting us talk. Kept for a long time, kept acting like she's about to close the door, but she kept asking questions, and we kept answering. And so, you know, we went back and forth, and, and we get, got going for a while, and I almost just gave up because I'm just like, you know, we're not getting through. But she just kept going. She kept asking questions. But then finally I could tell it was starting to click. I could finally tell it was really starting to click. And I'm not going to go into the whole conversation. But she ended up praying, asking the Lord to save her. And, you know, often, you know, you wonder, did they really get it? Did they really not get it? But I remember after she prayed and asked the Lord to save her, I went to um, 1 John chapter 5. And I was talking about how uh, these things have I written in you that believe that you may know that you have eternal life. And I told her, I said, you know, now, I said, if somebody asks you if you know you're saved, you can tell them, I, I know 100% sure that I'm saved because my salvation, it's not about what I've done and my goodness. It's about Christ's goodness. You know, he did it all for me. And I, and I told her that. And she, you know what she said to me? That was so deep and so profound. And I didn't tell her this ahead of time. It, it, she didn't hear this from anybody else. I mean, it was, it was very obvious. This was sincere. It was from the heart. She said, that's really good news. And I loved that because I, and I told her, I said, you know what? I said, that's what, that's what the gospel is. The gospel is good news. After she heard all those things, her reaction to everything that had just happened is that is good news. You know what that told me? She got it figured out. I didn't tell her that. The Holy Spirit told her that. that. Isn't that encouraging when you have that? Don't you love that when you're witnessing to somebody and then all of a sudden they do they tell you something just very profound, something very deep, something very scriptural. I, just the, uh, last year, just up the road here, I knocked on a door and it was a former co-worker of mine and told him what we were doing. And, you know, he said he wasn't a Christian. He said he was agnostic. And I asked him, I said, well, hey, I said, you know, what is it that... You know, we're missing. I said, what, what are you missing? What makes you agnostic? And I, I said, so you believe that there could be a God you just don't know? And I said, I, I asked him, I said, why is that? And he said, well, you know, I think that there probably is a God because he said, and this is, this is, he said something along these lines. I won't quote him exactly right, but he said, it just seems pretty obvious that there must be a God just from nature. You know, how did everything get here? You know, when you just look at all that's in the universe and, and he's like, it just, it kind of tells you that there is a God. I just don't know if it's a God of the Bible. And, I, and you know what? I said, that's exactly what the Bible says. And I went to Psalms 19. And I showed him in Psalms 19. I said, you know what the Bible says? Look right here. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. You know, day unto day utter his speech. Night and night showeth knowledge. I said, all these things you're telling me, I went, that he had told me in his own words, out of his own mouth, I went and showed it to him. In Psalms 19. And unfortunately, you know, he didn't get saved. I wish I had a happier ending for that story. But I could tell it really got his attention. When what he had been thinking, what he had been hearing, when he saw it in the pages of Scripture, it, it, meant, it did something to him. And I really hope that he will get saved. One of these days, I pray God will use that. And let me just say, just a solding tip, whenever anybody comes along and they tell you something 
that they, you know, that they just figured out from you showing them something else in the scripture that is profoundly biblical that you didn't bring up, man, if you know where that scripture is, show them that does a lot for people when they see the, you know, what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking. I mean, the Bible agrees with that, that, that really packs a punch when you do that. And that's what happened, you know, with this Catholic woman, it was, it was very, it was very encouraging. And so, you know, often when people make those statements, you know, and I said, I didn't tell them, you know, nobody's home. You know what their background is. That is evidence that the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. That is evidence that the Holy Spirit is teaching them. And so you want to take advantage of that. So even when people don't get saved, it's still enjoyable because, you know, man, the Lord is working there. Hey, we didn't get them saved today, but you better believe we did. We planted a seed. We did some watering. God's doing a work. And it, it's encouraging. Miss Hazel comes to church here. When I, back before she got saved, when I was witnessing to her, there were things that she said that were profoundly biblical. I had witnessed, I, I'd given her the whole gospel twice at two different times. She's like, I'm not, I'm just not quite ready yet. I went over to her house to visit her again, kind of follow up with her after several weeks. And she, she said, I've been thinking about it for a long time. And she said, you know, the more I think about it, you know, she's like, my parents, and my family, they didn't believe this. And according to the Bible, they're in hell. And she said, and I just think that that's where I deserve to go to. And you know what I told her? I didn't say, oh, no, you're a sweet lady. You don't deserve to go to hell. You know what I told her? I said, you're absolutely right. You do actually deserve that. But, but I said, but here's the thing. I said, if your parents are saved, they want you to get saved now in heaven. I said, if your parents are lost... They also want you to get saved too. And I went to the story of the rich man and Lazarus and showed her, you know, what she, it was very clear, you know, the Holy Spirit was speaking to her. She was learning things and understanding things. And so I I used that to help illustrate and, you know, and she did, she eventually got saved and has been a very faithful member here for, for a long time now. So, but, so while that's encouraging, something that often concerns me and discourages me is when I'm trying to teach the Bible to someone and somebody seems to just be repeating back biblical facts. They're good at repeating back what I just said, but that's all they can do. You know, then you, then you worry a little bit. Okay. I was like, are they really getting it when they're just, you know, those people that you go witness to and they just say yes to everything, you know, and I'm not saying none of those people ever get saved. But, you know, you, don't you just kind of wonder sometimes, man, I think I could have, you, you feel like you could have told them Santa Claus was the way to heaven and they'd have called on Santa Claus for salvation. Okay? And, you know, that, that's always discouraging. I'd rather have them disagreeing with me and change their mind, which is what that Catholic lady was doing at first. I mean, she was fully disagreeing with me, but after I went and I showed her the scripture, she's like, no, I, I think that's right. I mean, she, she admittedly changed her mind. And folks, this just repeating back facts, this thing is, you know, big in the new IFB world, especially with all these people that watch things online. They listen to enough preaching. They know what to say. And one danger that there is, you can say, with putting sermons online is people can listen to the preaching that's going on in this church and then they can walk into this church and they know exactly what to say. Like a robot, they know exactly what to say. They know exactly what to wear. They know how to do all of it. But folks, they're never here very long before we figure out something is missing with these folks. 
They've got all the biblical facts down. Oh, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, I believe in once saved, always saved. I'm not a reprobate. They go through the whole list. They go through the whole spiel. It's like a memorized thing. Anybody can say that. You have all these people, too, that are always like, oh, you know, so-and-so said I wasn't saved. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. And they go down the list. That's a huge red flag for me. But, you know, Sam Gipp did that when he got thrown into hell by Pastor Anderson. He went down the list. Just like a lot of these, you know, people who get thrown out of these churches. I think that, and so, it, it, people do, they know exactly what to say. They've got the list down. And here's this email that I got. I'm not going to read the whole email. I'm not going to reveal who this guy is. I don't, I don't really feel like picking on him. I probably should. But this guy, he's always attacking certain people that I like and that are good people because, you know, this guy doesn't have a check mark on a list. Okay, that a lot of people have for preachers. This guy doesn't have one check mark on the list, so he's always wanting to bash a great guy that's doing a great work for the Lord. You know what? I have no interest in a person like that. You know what? Mind your own business. And then, and he's even been kicked out of this church for good reason. I mean, this guy is just a weirdo. All right, he, He's a weirdo. And this is, I'll, I'll just start in this part because this is where it gets good. He just said, I was homeless once before I got into an old IFB, Repent of Your Sins, Gospel Baptist Church. Now let me, this is just for the people in the online world, alright? For the, those of you in the online world, anybody in the new IFB world that tells me a preacher is a repent of your sins preacher, or I was in a repent of your sins church, I don't believe you. Now, am I saying there are, that there are no repent of your sins preachers in the Baptist world? No, there's a bunch of them out there. But everybody in this crowd knows if you can say that, then the guy's automatically a heretic. Because that's a big thing you're not supposed to have on the list. Because, you know, what do we say? Hey, if it's right on the gospel, if it's King James, blah, blah, blah. But there's a lot of King James repenting your sins, guys, aren't there? So that's a real easy one to just say. I just don't believe them half the time. So, half the time they're probably telling the truth, but most of the time I don't believe them. Okay? But they always throw that in there. All these bad guys always throw that in. I just don't believe them. And I could tell you a bunch of stories about that. But anyway, he says, and they, although they were wrong on doctrine, they helped me get a place and I got a job and got back on my feet pretty quickly. If you consider yourself new IB, new IB, and you tell me your church is repent of sins, I don't believe you. You may be telling me the truth, but I don't believe you. I thought that I'd do better if I got into a church. It's just a source of motivation for me, but without it, I feel kind of lost with no direction. This is important. If you could maybe send me a list of things that are sin that make you guys hate me, and then I'll repent of those things and work on getting that, the stuff done on the list. <laughs> I, I'm the wrong guy to say that, too. <laughs> this guy obviously doesn't listen to too much of my preaching if he's asking me for a list. Hey, here's a list, buddy. Love your neighbor. If I got to give you more than that, you're evil. Hey, that, that all, he literally asked me for, at first, I don't hate this guy. I don't know this guy. I've just blocked him on several of his YouTube accounts because he's always just trying to leave comments, trashing this guy has nothing to do with any of the videos I put up, but he wants to, so I'm always just, I'm always like blocking his comments and he just does a new account. He's annoying. Hey, I don't hate him. He just annoys the fire out of me. So then he says, and then he listen to what he says here. I haven't even been baptized yet. Boy, you know, you don't even, you haven't even done that yet? 
You haven't even got baptized. You know, and you're going to go. Listen, if you've never even been baptized, I don't want to hear what you think about the qualifications of any pastor. Even if she's a woman. I don't want to hear what you think if you haven't got baptized yet. So he says, and now I have no idea what's going on or where to go or what to do. If I should stay in the city and, or move somewhere else. And man, I received a lot of just bad accusations from you guys. That what I think would be a lot different if you actually were witness to what actually happened to me. Anyways, please just send me a list of what I should do that would relieve me of this hate. <laughs> now, folks, do you, under, do you understand what I'm saying? If you've got to have a list, if I've got to tell you every little thing to do, you are carnal. You, you ought to be able to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know what that looks like, Galatians 5 will tell you. Okay? If you are... but. It mentions that if you're biting and devouring one another. I mean, this preacher that he wants to rip on all the time, he would admit is saved. Well, hey, be careful biting and devouring one another. You'd be not consumed of each other. You know, why don't you do you're these you're you're not in the spirit at all. You are in the flesh. And you need to learn how to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. When we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, that shows that we are doing the things that we are doing from the heart. If I have to write out a list of things that you can and can't do, you're not going to be doing those things from the heart. You're not going to be doing those things because you're being convinced. You might, I, I hate it. I've had people before, too, that have gotten saved and they want to come and tell me what all their wardrobe's good and what all their wardrobe's bad. If you... I, I told a guy this when I was at my dad's church. He'd gotten saved. They were changing a lot. They're doing good. They're still doing good. They're doing great. But one of the things he came to me one time, he was asking, you know, should we quit doing this? Should I start doing this? And I just told him, I said, if I just stand here and I tell you everything to do and not to do, you're going to be doing these things for the wrong reason. You need to be doing these things out of conviction. And I told him, I said, what you need to do, you need to pray about these things. You need to ask the Lord to reveal what needs to be changed in your life. And I promise, if you do that with a sincere heart, He will show you. Trust me. He will show you. If you are saved today, I dare you to go to the Lord and sincerely from the heart ask Him, Lord, what would you have me change in my life? What would you have me get rid of? How do you want me to act? How do you want me to dress? How do you want me to, what do you want me to do and not to do? I promise you, He's going to show you. And if you need me, to just tell you every little thing, it's because you have a, the best teacher in the universe missing in your life. And it's the Holy Spirit. All you, oh, you know, I'm, I'm saved. I, I, you know, I, I did everything in that track. I read that prayer on the back, word for word. Yeah, but you didn't believe it in your heart. You're missing something in your heart. You know, you've not been, you're not, you haven't believed with the heart, was what it says in Romans. That's something that is, it comes from the spirit. It comes from within. You've been fully convinced. Too many people are just trying out this Baptist thing. They're just trying it out. They're going to come to our church. They're going to have a verbatim testimony of what they should have. But you know what they're missing? They're missing something in their heart. They don't really believe it in their heart. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to get bent out of shape here and they're going to go out of this place and they're going to be backstabbing us and just talking trash about us. Because they never were one of us in the first place. And understand, 
you're going to reveal yourself. And it doesn't take long for the Holy Spirit to start showing you things. And so it is, it's important. <clears throat> or why is it that some people immediately start understanding certain spiritual truths while others can listen to sermon after sermon and even quote Bible verses? They can quote biblical facts, but they can't seem to understand the concept of love thy neighbor. Why? You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is missing in their life. It's because they are lost. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You want to know why so many people think churches like ours are a cult? But because we have a bunch of carnal people that come try this out for a while. We have a bunch of carnal people that come in, they memorize our doctrinal statement, they memorize everything they're supposed to say, they go out on YouTube and Facebook, and they're out there just echoing verbally what they heard like a robot, but there's nothing in their heart. They don't have the Holy Spirit of God in them, and they always end up revealing themselves. You know why? How do they reveal themselves? With the works of the flesh that are manifest. And then they end up making all of us look bad. And that's why, you know, when that stuff surfaces, that's why you want, to, you want to get rid of these people. That's why you want to get rid of that leaven. That's the last thing that we need in this church. And so I hope that, I hope that helps you understand what it means to walk or what it means to be led of the Spirit. If you are led of the Spirit, you will not need to be told every little thing to do. If you are led of the Spirit, it's not going to bother you when somebody tries to tell you you're not saved. You got the Holy Spirit. That's, that's your evidence. There, you've got the Word of God. Who cares what some clown out there in YouTube or Facebook world said? Who, who cares? You know the truth. You have the facts right in front of you with not just the Word of God, but with the Holy Spirit that's dwelling inside of you. He will actually be real to you when you really have Him. But boy, when you know what? When you are in the flesh, when you are carnal... You're going to get all bent out of shape when that happens. You're going to have to have, you know, you're going to have to go calling up. You're going to have to go work to go soul winning with every preacher in the new IFB world to tell them your testimony so you can ask them if you're not a rep, if they, if we think you're a reprobate or not. Like that one guy did. That, that's what you're going to have to do. I've never gone to anyone in my life and asked them, hey, do you think I'm a reprobate? <laughs> I've never even gone to anybody since I've been saved, said, hey, do you think I'm saved? I've never needed, I, I said, maybe when you first get saved, you might want to make sure. You know, you might want to talk to somebody, you might want to check. When you first get saved, I could see that. But after you've been saved for a while, I could see, you know, and then you're still needing to get confirmation all the time. Every time there's a camp meeting, you got to go and get saved again just because you know, you're just not even sure. It's because you're missing the Holy Spirit. That's all there is to it. When you, when you really got Him and when you're led of the Spirit, you'll be fine. Now, I do believe if you get in the flesh too much and the Holy Spirit is not working, I think you could come to a place where you're doubting your salvation. I believe it's possible to do that. But that's just, once again, signs of carnality right there. And if you're led of the Spirit, you'll be fine. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, but thank you so much for your word. I pray that this was a help. I pray that... Uh, everyone was able to understand this, and I pray you'll help us, Lord, to uh, follow your lead. I pray that we will, um, we won't need 
to have just things spelled out for us. I pray that as a pastor, I'm not going to have to tell everybody every little thing to do, but I pray that uh, you will reveal it to them, and I pray that you will be their teacher and make it clear to them so they can have that confidence that they're doing the right thing and they can actually do it out of a heart of love and gratitude for you and not out of obligation just trying to cross the check mark off the list. And I pray that uh, this will be a help. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead.